God bless you. You're listening to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And for the month of June, we're diving into a powerful series. We're going to look at fables that have grown out of the Bible and affect our culture today. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, uses the term fables in his writings to his uh, sons in the faith. And he tells them not to take heed, not to get caught up in these fables. And so we're going to dive into some deep history, some rich history. And we're going to figure out what fables he's talking about. We're going to learn about some fables that come through history uh, that come out of the Hebrew Bible. But by the time they get to New Testament times, these particular stories have taken on their own identity. They've grown in persona to mythical proportions. Uh, names like Azazel, names like Lilith, names like Nimrod. These individuals uh, start out in the biblical text as uh, characters or places or things and by the time of the New Testament time because there's a time period in between where a lot of this goes haywire uh, Paul has to tell young Timothy and Titus watch out for these fables because people are going to turn aside from the truth and start listening to fables Peter uh, actually uses this term fable it's only used five times in the Bible and we're going to take a look at it and we're going to find out about these fables in the Bible that take on mythical proportions. So strap on um, your seatbelt, grab your concordance and grab your Bible and get ready for this month's series. Don't take heed to fables on the Love That Neighbor podcast network. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson, and we are starting a new series for the month of June. Uh, the series is called Do Not Take Heed to Fables. Now, this is important. I've been teaching a spiritual warfare class at um, our church on Tuesday nights for a couple of months now. We've been diving deep and uh, trying to get our minds wrapped around a spiritual warfare worldview, a biblical spiritual warfare worldview, not just any spiritual warfare worldview, but the idea that if we see things from the perspective of the Bible, that we would change how uh, we approach people who believe differently, we would change how um, we uh, talk to people who maybe uh, have turned away from Christianity uh, because uh, we're thinking that it, from our, our perspective, we're thinking that, oh, they're just wrong. They're just this. But from a spiritual warfare point of view, we realize that there is an enemy that hates us all and wants all men to uh, be punished, all men to perish, all men uh, to be destroyed with him. And so it is important. The greatest love for God and love for your neighbor is to accomplish God's commission, the great commission to go and make disciples, to go and teach people uh, what the word of God says and give them an opportunity to be saved. Give them an opportunity to come into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, being filled and sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so as we dive into this, uh, don't take heed to fables. In Paul's day, Paul's time, 
there were a lot of things that were being taught just as there are today that were distracting, that were destructive, um, that were heretical. And Paul, um, as he mentors those that are going to lead under him or lead um, in extension to what he's done, they're going to borders where uh, he's sending them out to solidify, to strengthen, to encourage, to set in order. He wants them to know right away not to take heed to fables. This term fable in the Greek uh, occurs uh, five times in the New Testament. Uh, the word muthos, muthos, and it's 3454, a speech, a story, i.e. a fable, a false account yet posing to be the truth, a fabrication, a fable, which subverts, which means to undermine or replaces what is actually true. And so Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4, he says, I urge you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. This is important. No other doctrine. Uh, there were doctrines that were coming in. And I'll explain where some of those doctrines came from. Actually, most of those doctrines came from uh, in order to uh, subvert, to uh, replace, to undermine, uh, to sabotage. Uh, they were false doctrines appearing to be true, uh, replacing what was true. He says in verse four, nor give heed to fables. Here it is. This is the word fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. And so here it is. Fables, muthos, literally a story, a speech, a false account. And so they were being taught other doctrines that they teach no other doctrine and nor give heed to these fables, to these fables. First uh, Timothy chapter four, verse seven, he, he warns him again. He says, but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself towards godliness instead of wasting time chasing down these stories, chasing down um, these false accounts these things that are posing, these fabrications, which are subverting. They're not just fabrications, but they're subverting and undermining and trying to replace what is actually true. He tells Timothy one more time in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 3. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away. <laughs> they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And so you see how uh, true doctrine versus fable. Uh, this, this, these fables are undermining people with itching ears. And, and, and it's interesting because the fables, they, they are interesting. And we'll get into some of them. We're going to actually get into one a really good one today but these fables are interesting and so he used the term itching ears and why does he say that because we want to know stuff 
We want to know what the Bible doesn't say. We want to know the things that God didn't reveal. So we look to these other documents, these other doctrines, these fables, these clever, cleverly contrived fables to get information. And see, Paul would have known all about whatever those stories are, whatever those fables are, whatever those teachings are. Paul was a scholar. That's why people hated Paul. That's why they didn't like him, because Paul was well educated. He didn't just know the Torah, but he knew even uh, the other beliefs. And he knew both what the Sadducees believed and what the Pharisees believed, because he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was a scholar. And so when he's teaching uh, Titus and Timothy, he's letting them know that there's some stuff out there that we have to be aware of. We have to be aware of. In Titus chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he said, This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to, and now he, he qualifies this with Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Again, fable seems to be an opposition with the truth. Now, what could he be talking about? What are these stories? What are these fables? Well, a lot of us call them today myths, mythology. And there's a lot of biblical mythology, uh, stuff that started out in the Bible. And then there was a time period where Israel was divided, broken up, um, in captivity, under rules of other foreign nations and their foreign beliefs and their foreign theology. And Israel began to adopt these different fables. There are Jewish fables. There are old wives' fables. There are just fables. And these fables began to undermine, subvert, and replace what was actually true. There's a time period um, in between Malachi and Matthew. Um, When I was growing up, it was called the intertestamental period. Now we, uh, scholars have studied it more and they call it more of the second temple period. And this is the time uh, after uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, right? Rebuilt the temple. But this time was tumultuous because there were some huge events that happened, some major crises that happened during this period. Uh, you had the destruction of the kingdom of Judah. It was happening around 587 to 586 BCE, the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. Uh, this was the smaller part, but this was the part where the sacred part, this is uh, the, the, the northern part was supposed to be more apostate. They were already serving foreign gods. and But the southern part was the part that would say true. And so in this particular part, when this part is destroyed, then where are the real devout, you know, uh, Israelites and terms like the diaspora uh, terms like that uh, begin to come into play because people are scattered to all the nations. They're scattered all over. As a matter of fact, if you do your research, they don't even really come back to Jerusalem till the day of Pentecost. It says that uh, believers from all over, 
Jews from all nations, devout Jews from all nations began to come back at that particular time. Where were they coming from? They were everywhere. And so that first crisis is the destruction of Judah, the southern kingdom. The second crisis is the influence of Hellenism, which led to the Maccabean revolt, right? In 167 BC, huge, huge event in history. Now, during this time, Hellenism is starting to influence the Jews. It start, start, Hellenism is starting to corrupt them and starting to bring in Greek mythology, Greek beliefs, Greek philosophy. And so they're already being changed. And remember, or maybe not remember, but let me say this. There are no prophets. There are no prophets to correct any of the fables that are built, that are building, that are getting momentum right now. There are no prophets to say, that's not the word of God. That's not what Yahweh is saying. And so these things are happening and they're happening quickly. And so uh, the Maccabean revolt is them revolting against Antiochus IV, who many people say is a type of antichrist. Um, the desolation of abomination, the abomination of desolation, sorry, um, happens under Antiochus Epiphanes or Antiochus IV. Uh, and they overthrow, they defeat him. And that's where the celebration of Hanukkah comes in. A lot of people say, well, where's the celebration of Hanukkah? Well, it's not necessarily a feast day in the sense of a commanded feast day for the Jews. It's actually a national holiday um, honoring or memorializing the Maccabean revolt that set them free from Antiochus. And uh, let's say this, and it's just something just to throw out there. The abomination of desolation is still talked about by Jesus later on. So even though um, Antiochus uh, may have fulfilled it in a certain sense, there is a perfect sense or a complete sense, an eschatological, an eschatological sense that it will be fulfilled. And you say, well, what does that word mean? It just means in an end time sense, a study of end times, there is going to be a real fulfillment of that. And so you have the destruction of the kingdom of Judah. You have the influence of Hellenism, which led to the Maccabean revolt. That's uh, 167 BC, BCE. And then finally, Pompey sacks Jerusalem and the Roman, Roman occupation begins. And this is 68 BCE. So during this time, there are an emergence of groups, groups that you will then see talked about in the New Testament, but you never heard of in the Old Testament. You have the Pharisees. Pharisees weren't in the Old Testament. You're wondering where did the Pharisees come from? They came from this second temple period. The Sadducees, same thing. They grew out of the second temple period. Uh, the Essenes. And the Essenes are connected to uh, the writings of the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Zealots. The Zealots were those that that they they were they were uh, very zealous, very enthusiastic to the point where they were uh, harmful in some of their beliefs. And during this time period, these groups produced um, in some way, shape or form the books of the Apocrypha. 
You have Old Testament Apocrypha. Then you have Pseudepigrapha, which uh, the book of Enoch is under Pseudepigrapha. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were by the Essenes. And all of this happened during this Second Temple period, or what we would call the Intertestamental period. And so in this period, there are things that were read in the Bible, individuals that were read about in the Bible, that during this period, they took on mythical proportions. In the Bible, they were one thing, but through the influence of Hellenism, through the destruction of the Southern Kingdom, you know, coming out of these influences from their captivity to Babylon, to Assyria, um, being in this um, Mesopotamian world where they had their own beliefs, they had their own gods, they had their own demons, they had their own ideas. They begin to fuse these things together with the Jewish people and the Jewish legends begin to be born. Jewish fables begin to be born. And the first one I want to take on today um, is uh, the scapegoat. Now, one of the interesting things about uh, the scapegoat is that the scapegoat, this word scapegoat, which has to do uh, with the Day of Atonement. Uh, the Day of Atonement is listed in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 8 through 10. And when you read about this in Leviticus chapter 16, verses 8 through 10, you will see uh, that there was a ritual attached to it in order to atone for uh, Israel. And it's not necessarily just atoning for Israel, but it's cleansing the sacred spaces of Israel. And so let's let's take a look. Let's let's, let's read it. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16, verse eight. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and another lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat, which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Okay, so let me explain this. This particular ritual, the high priest, which is Aaron, cast lots on two goats. For the Lord, one is offered for the sins but the second one is sent alive into the wilderness presented and then sent alive into the wilderness the Hebrew word for scapegoat is Azazel now some of you may be familiar with Azazel from um, different legends different myths um, even Marvel Comics <laughs> Azazel is a very popular uh, demon or fallen angel but in this particular context and this is the only time that this is used in the Bible the word Azazel simply means scapegoat as a, main, as a matter of fact it literally means 
entire removal. Now what happens is the Jewish tr tradition believes that Azazel uh, became the name of a spirit haunting the desert, a fallen angel. This is a late interpretation derived from Jewish angelology. This name is not found anywhere else. Now here's what's interesting about that is that this late interpretation, this Jewish Jewish angelology, this comes out of the second temple period. And again, there were no prophets to correct them and say this is not what God wants. Israel's in a place of apostasy. They have strayed away. They're worshiping other gods. They're combining beliefs and religion. And the books that come out of this, the writings that come out of this are influenced by the Assyrian, uh, Babylonian, Mesopotamian gods and goddesses, male and female demons, um, fallen angels uh, that are spoken of in these other um, theological frameworks. Azazel is myth mythologized in the second temple book of Enoch and is characterized as a fallen angel and he falls onto Mount Hermon the gathering place of the demons or uh, the demons of old as a rebel as a rebel watcher and we'll get into watcher because uh, the term watcher in the sense of an angelic watcher is only used one place in the bible and that place is in the book of daniel and we'll talk about that when we talk about um, some other aspects of this but the watchers uh, were angelic beings under this Babylonian, uh, Assyrian, Mesopotamian uh, theology. Uh, nowhere else would you find that terminology. And Azazel uh, is responsible for introducing forbidden knowledge to humans. Um, he's the one that gave humans these uh, knowledge of um, secret things of things that uh, they could not know. This is what, you know, the Jewish legends or, or fables uh, suggest. Uh, he's also written about in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Azazel is described in the Semitic text. He's in the Semitic text. He's literally, um, his name means strong one against God. You see the L at the end, Azazel, L is God, right? Mighty one, Lord, and so strong one against God, Azazel, right? Azazel is also mentioned in Islam. Um, he was a jinn in Islam, which uh, for some that know what a jinn is, that's, that's a demon. And so this term that comes from the ritual of the Day of Atonement, a sacred ritual. The term scapegoat, goat of departure. Um, the, the, the ritual that is supposed to um, entirely remove the sin from the spaces, the sacred spaces of Israel and send them into the wilderness becomes a spirit that haunts the wilderness or haunts the desert and takes on mythical proportions and is mythologized in the second temple book of Enoch. 
Now, following him, and we'll dive fully into her next week, is Lilith. We'll dive fully into Lilith because Lilith comes out of the same mindset, the same belief that the way Lilith is mentioned in the Bible, you would never, ever know that this is the same individual that legends, that fables, that mythology has grown into such a huge and terrible female demon. And so we'll close in on that next week. It's going to be a week-to-week series. And so get ready for Lilith on next week. If you have questions, comments, concerns, please message me at anchor.fm slash anthony-wilson slash message or go to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network um, on WordPress and send me an email. Reach out to me. Let me know that you're listening. Um, we, I want your feedback. I want your questions because if I can answer your questions, this may help you a lot more. And so, um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for supporting the love thy neighbor podcast network to all my supporters. Thank you for supporting. If you would like to support either a one-time gift or join the team, you can go to dollar sign a Wilson, uh, 2273 to give a one-time gift, or you can join the team at anchor.fm slash Anthony wilson slash support and join the team and i'll send you a free ebook uh we're getting ready to re-release no man left behind i've added a lot of material to it Uh, we're going to re-release that in a couple of weeks um for father's day and honor father's father's day uh we've bolstered it up we've added a lot to it so it's a lot meatier um not that the first one wasn't but this second edition of no man left behind you will really really enjoy it and you really want to get this edition because there's so much more added uh into this one that it is uh, it's pretty different than the, than the first one and so i want to say god bless you thank you for listening remember to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself god bless you thanks for listening listening to the love thy neighbor podcast network